Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, Zach, welcome back. I know you just got back from a uh, big, big trip. Yeah, ten year, ten year anniversary. We uh, fantastic. We planned for it for a while. We got to go to Saint Lucia in the Caribbean. Excellent. And Excellent. enjoy beaches and rainforests and hikes and ATV rides. It was it was a lot of fun. And Very yeah, cool. we um, was it cooler than here? I mean, it, can't it be, was actually it could be hotter than what we've I mean. Been in. It was per every. You know, the funny thing is, we came in on Saturday and it was storming all day. And we're like, well, what if our entire trip is ruined <laughs> right. by rain? Yeah. But it was great. It was 85 and sunny. There were showers, kind of like any yeah, island. Summer. It'll shower for like five, 10 minutes and then just be completely sunny. Yeah. And you're like, okay. Yeah. All right. But it was great. It was good to get away. Uh, for those who don't know, we, we have four little kids. And so getting away to catch up to... <laughs> what's funny is we met some couples there on their honeymoon. And um, we they, we were talking about how we wanted to get away so we could we could plan and be be intentional parents and they're like looking at us all strange like you're not just what are you doing it's just it's not about yeah. just you it's like no it's like we yeah we realize this is a week break but we yeah. got to get back and uh you probably so, probably missed them too you probably talked about them the whole yeah time, we look but. forward to um kind of doing a 10-year reset and going back home and yeah and hitting the ground running and that was that was exciting for us but we enjoyed ourselves and it was a good trip. Well, we missed you here, but no, thank you know, you. We, yeah. were, we were thinking about you. I knew you were going to have a good time, so that's yeah. fantastic. Congratulations yeah. on ten years. Thank you. That's yes, awesome. it's it's a a nice and a good milestone to meet. Absolutely, so. yep. absolutely. Well, you know, it's been uh, it's been a crazy crazy another uh, week in the markets. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of action happening. I, I would like to encourage people if you're listening uh, and you haven't listened to the shows in the past really six months. Um, we've covered um, the market and bear markets and what to do and what not to do a lot. This show is going to be a little different. We've got some really good topics, but it's not mm -hmm. market specific. So right. really encourage you to go back and check that out. And um, the first topic we are going to talk about, uh, just give an overview of it, is uh, beneficiaries. That's uh, super important. Yeah, really important. I think it's good to get an overview and a refresher of what kind of beneficiaries there are, um, what's important for you and how to plan well. Yeah, and then you get to talk about Saving kids and savings. Yeah, I mean, you can certainly save for your your child, or recommend they save in a in a bank account. But there's mm -hmm. other options out yep. there, and we're going to share with you two of them that are the most popular. Um, and it's a great way to get to get the uh, your your children saving and something that's going to grow a little bit more than um, that's right interest. We're all excited about a percent interest now. It's I like, know it's it's uh it's kind of funny. Kinda, Kind of silly, but it is. But it is good. It is. It but, is. Yes. So we have a great show lined up. And and by the way, I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance. I'm also a Dave Ramsey certified coach. I have uh, over 30 years of experience in planning for both corporations and individuals. And my name is Zach Albanese. I'm a financial advisor and been in the industry for about three years now. Yeah, excellent. So uh, we're glad to have you um, listening to us today. Uh, we're up every single Friday morning. Again, go to our website, moneymd.net. If you have not listened to the podcast about the markets. Um, markets are still volatile. Um, you know, there's a lot of information coming out this week from the Fed and whether or not we're in a recession. And uh, we, we've addressed a lot of that, um, yeah. you know, in the past six months. So go check those out. Um, we also have some great information out there um, on uh, moneymd.net. We also are on um, uh, Facebook. I think mm -hmm. you're going to do the prescription of the week this week on yep. that. So uh, check that out. But we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. And Zach, this is about the uh, the lottery. I came across a really good article 
And um, in South Carolina, players with a household income of less than $35,000 a year spent twice as much as those that have uh, household incomes of 100000 to 150000 wow. That's back in 2014. But so we see a lot of folks that, that don't have the ability, um, they don't have extra income putting it into the lottery. Right. And there's two types of lottery tickets. There's one that, you know, the mega millions where you can win, you know, a bazillion dollars and you're more likely to get struck by lightning oh, uh, yeah, right. on, that in a before, snowstorm yeah. Um, yeah. than winning that thing. Uh, but there's also scratch off. Yep. And a lot of people do the scratch off and th- there are more winners on scratch off than there are on the big lottery. However, the statistics show that millions of players, they lose in, in average 35 cents on every single dollar. Man. It's just a losing game. Right. And um, so, gosh, just, you know, it, it, some people play it for fun, but there are people that are addicted to it. And it really is, uh, it, it, it feels like a tax on, on um, you know, folks that can't afford it. Basically. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, obviously very predatory too, because yeah. it is that, well, if I win, I can, I can get out of whatever situation in, or I think the statistics very interesting because yeah, it shows that people who, you know, maybe, maybe need more income in their life are trying to hit in this way, but it's such a losing battle that yeah. it just ends up draining them. So and if they, if they yeah, took that sad. money on a <laughs> weekly basis, I mean, they were talking about statistics, statistics stats associated with it um people putting in 40 and 50 a week if they put that into the stock market over time that's where wealth is built and that's yeah you know exactly so uh yeah anyway that's interesting fact and um it's it's a shame so uh we do have a um uh, an organization called my why foundation um that Mm -hmm. is trying to teach people about the stock market so if you're interested in that you can certainly reach out to us yeah absolutely um and we're gonna start off here talking about beneficiaries and zach this is so important we we spend a lot of time on this with clients, and um, it is, it's difficult. and something you have to stay on top of. Yeah, you know, and, and word beneficiary, John, is not something you come across every day or maybe even every year. Um, but when you're deciding who gets the stuff that you have when you pass away, um, you really are going to start seeing that, that word a lot. So knowing everything you can about beneficiaries now before anything happens is really important. Um, so not only are there different types of beneficiaries, but it also makes a difference uh, where you name them. That means that beneficiaries you name in estate planning documents like wills and trusts and in non-estate planning documents like life insurance, uh, savings accounts, et cetera, they, they really ought to match up. Um, if not, the wrong people might start getting your stuff, which yeah. I don't know about you. <laughs> it's I important. <laughs> I wouldn't want that to happen. So um, let's look at some, some kinds of beneficiaries here, John. Yeah, and I think uh, there's confusion out there about beneficiaries. Beneficiaries are the first line of... Right. Um, uh, defense, if you will, it basically it precedes what's in the will and the trust. Yeah. So if someone passes away and they're a beneficiary on an account for us, they come in and say, "Hey, my mom passed away." They show us a death certificate, and we immediately change the title of that mm-hmm. account to their their name. So yeah, it is. It bypasses it all. It so. does bypasses probate. So you really want to put these on your accounts in in most cases. Yeah. Um, so the first one is primary beneficiary. It's a person or organization that you name in your will. Um, or your accounts, life insurance, um, uh, Roth IRAs, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can't. It can be more than just people. It can be your uh, your favorite charity. Um, we do see people putting charities on there. Yep. If, if you're an animal lover, you can put your pet uh, Fifi on there to receive it. Yeah, is or, that true? Probably. I don't know. You'd <laughs> probably. Have, you'd probably have to do a pet trust for that. <laughs> a pet man. There are, there pet, are pet trusts, and I'm not making fun of animal no, lovers. No, no, no. I'm one is, of them. Yeah, I mean, but. 
We, you know, but you can do, you can leave it to the SPCA. So you can leave okay, it to Okay, so that they're taken care of, though. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I didn't know that. It, we don't see many pets coming for advice. No, no. but. But there are pet trust. I, right. I mean, people yeah. do leave money to Exactly, to yeah, pets, to so. take care of a pet. Sure, sure. Yeah, so, um, but here's a couple of things you can help do to make sure your, your primary beneficiary gets your information. Got to have their legal name, uh, social security number. Um, you know, be specific, because there, there can be confusion if you don't have right. some of the specifics, like social security number, date of birth. And be specific on how you want your assets split. Uh, we we use percentages, you know, versus yeah. dollar amounts. So, That's just the better way. Yeah. Yeah. So if the account is, you know, goes from five thousand to twelve thousand, you know, if you use percentages, then it can go to the primary beneficiaries that you want. So primary beneficiary, most people have their spouse or significant other. Um, sometimes they'll have their kids up there, but that's the first line. Yep. Right. Yeah. Second is uh, contingent beneficiary. Um, and a contingent beneficiary is great if your primary beneficiary isn't available. It's kind of self-explanatory, but I'm glad we get to, to go into this yeah. a little bit. So this is really important to help your successors avoid uh, the probate process, which can be long and drawn out. It can cost money. And it's just better if you take the time to um, put the work in now to label what you talked about, primary beneficiaries and contingent beneficiaries. So name both um, in all your estate planning and non-estate planning documents. Uh, because suppose this, John, if, you're, if your sister Jean, I know you don't have a sister Jean named Jean, do you? I don't. Okay, good. Um, if your sister Jean is your primary beneficiary and Jean unexpectedly passes away before you do, if you haven't updated your estate planning documents and haven't named a contingent beneficiary, well, guess where all your money goes? Yes. Goes to the state. And depending on where you live, your state will more likely, most likely consider your assets unclaimed, process them through probate. So again, more time, more costs for, and really less money for your loved ones um, that you initially intended to leave them to. So really get your primary beneficiaries and your contingent beneficiaries in order. Um, what's the third one, John? Yeah, a residual beneficiary. And residual beneficiary just in general is whatever's left over from the estate is um, would go to the residual beneficiary. Right. So if for some reason... Um, you know, the primary and the contingents were not around when you passed away, the residual beneficiary would, would get the rest of it. That, that can be named in your will. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, it can be a, a person. It can be an organization as well. So right. that's kind of a third, third layer, if you will. That's typically in the will that, that's uh, identified. Yeah. And so um, now let's talk about a, like estate planning beneficiaries and non-estate planning beneficiaries. Let's say you want uh, your cousin to inherit your beach house in Florida. So you mentioned that in your will and you're good to go. Um, actually, not quite. Yeah, That's not really yeah. how it works. You talked about that a little bit earlier. Mm -hmm. You have to update the deed on your beach house and name Jim as your beneficiary. In fact, if your will says Jim gets your beach house, but the deed does not say it, kind of like what you're talking about with labeling your beneficiaries, the will is, is a nice guide, but it really has no power outside of some of these more official documents. So you need to go back and go to the deed or the, your 401k or your investment accounts, bank accounts, insurance policies, go to the primary paperwork to make sure that those beneficiaries match up because that primary paperwork overrides uh, the will every time. So that's why it's really important. Look at all your documents. Um, look at your beneficiaries. What does it say? Is it Does it match up with what you want to happen in your will? If so, great. If not, maybe talk about that with your, uh, with your advisor. Um, some other things to talk about with rules for wills and trusts, personal property, life insurance, et cetera. Um, you know, we, you want to 
make sure that you have detailed information about each beneficiaries you're talking about. Always name uh, primary and alternate beneficiaries. If no beneficiaries are available, you know you you uh, your proceeds will go um, to your estate and be subject to probate. So overall, I think with this process, just make sure on every document of financial importance, you've got some sort of beneficiary labeled and the details and their names and numbers, all yep. that stuff is, is accurate. And we actually have on our website, moneymd.net, we have a download. It's called a financial account inventory sheet. Mm. It's a great yeah, place really to helpful. document this. I mean, yeah. go through all your accounts, life insurance, you know, checking savings accounts, Roth IRAs, 401ks, you name it, and put it on that sheet. It's just a good roadmap. And you can also put in uh, your beneficiaries on that sheet as well. It's yeah. just kind of a place to keep track of it. So, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, once you have this information, um, you know, you've got some questions that you want to consider. Um, you know, the residual beneficiary, um, yeah. is it the same as the contingent beneficiary? It's just another another level that you can take a look at. And, and they're not the same. I mean, the contingent beneficiary is second in line to receive the assets. Right. And the residual beneficiary, like we talked about, is what's left over in the estate. But, um, you know, it is... You know, we work with a lot of blended families, mm-hmm. right? Um, they've yeah. come, sometimes there have been divorces, sometimes someone has passed away. And, um, you know, we have to ask difficult questions like, who's going to be the beneficiary of the accounts? Right. And sometimes they've talked about it, but sometimes they haven't. So Yeah, and residual beneficiaries are nice to kind of make sure if everything else, after everything else is done, that, that the rest goes somewhere to somewhere you want that's right. to have it. Yeah, and so that's important. And so another good question to ask is, um, well, can you have multiple contingent beneficiaries? And the answer is yes. So really, it's as you talked about earlier, it's a percentage game. You just want to split up percentages. You don't want to leave dollar amounts because dollar amounts can um, they they can grow. And then what yeah. you plan to leave to somebody in a dollar amount might not be what you you really want to leave them. So yeah, use percentages. You can have multiple contingent beneficiaries. You can have multiple primary beneficiaries. It's just really different levels of, um, I guess, divvying up your assets. Uh, after after you pass, so um, sometimes we get a question: How do you how do you pick a contingent beneficiary? And most of the time, we say you know staying in the family is good, but the best way is really just to consider trustworthiness and age and ability to manage money. Are, are they um, you know are they mature enough to handle a portion of your assets? Yeah, yeah. So if you leave if you leave the if if your kids are um, minors and you leave it, you yeah, put them as a, a contingent question. beneficiary or even a primary beneficiary. In they're five years old, um, there's obviously going to be a custodian associated right. with that. So you don't have to fear someone under 18 getting the money and, and running off with it, basically. Yeah. Um, they're gonna, there's going to be an adult that's going to manage that for them until they get of age. My son would buy a lot of candy and basketball cards. He likes basketball cards a lot. So <laughs> you can never yeah, have I'm too glad many, I love a... Never custodian. have too many basketball that's cards. That's right. That's right. And so the next last question, we do get this quite a bit, is um, can you change your will beneficiaries at any time? And yes, you can. And so... Um, I think it's important to know that you can do that too, because sometimes people feel like it's locked in and you can't update things like beneficiaries or your will, but you you can. And, to, and so make sure you do do that if things do change in your situation. Don't delay on it. Um, yes, there are different layer, layers like contingent beneficiaries that uh, help mitigate some of the stress and problems that can take place. But yeah, make a quick phone call, get that taken care of. It's really important to do and make sure you've... Uh, yeah, you've gotten place. So. And and beneficiaries change periodically, right? Uh, marriages, deaths, yeah. um, right. you know, divorces. It, it it the list goes on and on. So you don't have to necessarily look at it every year, but I would certainly um, 
when a, when there's a life event. Yeah, absolutely. Life so event. Go, go take a look at yeah, it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to, to look at it. So All that's right. beneficiaries. Good, good, good discussion. And we're going to switch gears here and do the uh, question of the week. Yeah, so the question of the week is, do I need permanent insurance? So, John, what is permanent well, insurance? So, so the opposite of permanent is... Um, temporary. Temporary. So, so term is a temporary life insurance, and that's really what we feel for most cases is, right. is adequate. So a term is you buy something for 10 years or 20 years, and then it goes away. Mm-hmm. Permanent insurance is what it says. It stays with you until you die. The problem with permanent insurance is it gets extremely expensive oh, yeah. as you get older, particularly when you get in your 70s. Um, the price of the insurance sometimes becomes unaffordable. Sure. So you have to you have to factor that in. I mean, in some cases, permanent insurance is, is good. Um, you certainly have to evaluate that. But it, sometimes we see, uh, we were just meeting with a couple um, last week, and they have permanent insurance. And um, they do have some cash value in there, but it's going to eat through the cash value very quickly. Very quickly, yeah. Right now, they're paying about 7000 a year for 100000 of coverage. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, so. And as every year that you know, this gentleman lives, that 7,000 is going to go to eight. And at some point it's going to be 15 grand a year and they're not going to be able to afford it. So it goes away. So right. you got to, you just got to look at it. There's something called an enforce illustration that is good to and look that, at a that policy. It, out. Yeah. it does. So in some cases it's, it's okay. But a lot of times we see our clients get, they become self-insured, right? Exactly. You have to, you have to ask the question, you know, what is insurance for? Well, it's ensuring that nothing bad happens to you in a season of life where, it could be financially catastrophic. Yep. But once you're financially uh, stable, or at least you have a plan, the, ins- the insurance doesn't um, it doesn't have the same role as it once did. And I yeah. think that's an important question to think about. Why do I need this? You know, for me, for instance, you know, I have four little kids, and if something happened to me, I wouldn't, you know, want them to be living on the street. Yeah. So you, you would need to replace your income. Right. Exactly. Right, replace so, my income. Yep. But to think that, hey, when my kids are older. Um, or when they're even uh, old enough where maybe Caroline wants to pick up a job, then that becomes a little less necessary. But depending on your needs, and that's my situation now, my needs will change. So look at your needs, look at your situation, ask the question, uh, what is insurance for? And I think, like you said, John, there's times where permanent insurance is good and and, uh, affordable. But there's other times like your, your example that it just seems like this isn't this isn't worth it. Yeah, it's so. not going to work long term. Yep. And, and and the other thing is the theory behind term is if you get a twenty year policy and you save well, um, that yep. savings will then replace that that policy. Exactly. So. Yeah, there are ways to plan for it um, if you think about it, especially early on. Yes. So. Alrighty, so we're going to cover our next topic here, and that's the best way to save for kids. And you know, bank accounts are okay, but sometimes there's some other options that you want to take a look at and. Two options we're going to talk about today are custodial accounts and mm-hmm. also a Roth IRA. Yeah, that's right. And a Roth IRA. We've got a, a pretty neat example um, on that that I'll, I'll cover. Um, but this is written by uh, Mike um, Pierschel. Um, it was published in Kiplinger's recently. And, you know, kids are encouraged by their parents to save money. Um, maybe they have a, a paper route. Maybe they have a part-time job. Um, you know, cutting grass or, you know, for our kids, we started um, getting them to save doing chores. We would pay mm-hmm. them some money. And so we started using a custodial account. And so um, when they got birthday money or um, money for chores, 
um, instead of putting it in a bank account, we put it into a custodial account. Yeah, and that's really um, good. we to encourage them, we would match them. So initially, it was dollar for dollar, mm. and they got really expensive. <laughs> yeah, you got 100 a hundred bucks for birthday, man. You had to. Yeah, that's a good return. Yeah, so we had to well, we cut that in in half, and then eventually we stopped just matching it because they yeah. got used to it. But custodial account is what we used, and it was really cool. Um, most of you know Matthew, my son, is working with us now. He's twenty five, and and my daughter is twenty eight. And it was neat to see that custodial account over time grow. So we put it in mutual funds. Yep. And, um, you know, when you, we looked at it um, as we were pulling money out of it for their life, and they had put 5000 in there over 18 years, and it had turned into twelve. Yeah, Just some, some crazy a, numbers. So if it had been in a bank account, it would have been 5500 you know, yeah. versus right, the 12000 exactly. So custodial accounts, it's neat, and it was also gave us an opportunity to talk to them about saving on the stock market and mutual funds. And a custodial account basically is controlled by an adult, mm -hmm. right? It's for a minor. So the, you know, kids under the age of 18, um, some states are 21, but basically it's, it's a, it's an account. It was in my name, um, as the custodian, but it was for Matthew had his custodial account and Danielle had hers and we put them in mutual funds. And, and anytime we, had extra money, we would put it in there. And as they got into be teenagers, we would start talking about it. When they were seven years old, they yeah. had, they like, Dad's taking my money again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was saving it for him, but custodial account is a great option. It is a great option. It's, and I think one of the reasons it's so great is because it's very flexible. You know, there are a lot of ways to save your kids for education, um, for the future. But a lot of times, either they can't touch it till retirement, which I know you'll get into in a minute, or it's for school. And so things like, um, the other things that they need, um, they might not be able to use it for. And so a custodial account is nice because it can be withdrawn at any time and really be used for any reason to support the child. And so um, whether that's, yeah, taking them to, I don't know. Well, cars or... Yeah, cars uh, or... Laptops or yeah, whatever. Right. Doing something they, <laughs> if they want to plan, they want to plan a day and you're like, hey, let's plan a day and it's all on you. You get to decide. You can use that go money see, for them. Go see a Hawks game. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's for the kid, right? That's for the kid. Okay. Yeah, it has to be for the kid. Right, but the, the good thing to know, too, is that the earnings are taxed at the child's tax rate, which can be lower than the parents. Uh, it's not a lot, but the first $1,100 of unearned income in a custodial account is tax-free, and the next $1,100 is taxed at a favorable rate of 10%. So generally, though, at the age of 21, uh, the title account must be changed to that uh, of the child, and then they will fully control it. And that depends on states. But yes. But I know here in South Carolina, Georgia, it is it is twenty one, and that's one of the downsides. Is it, it is technically the the child, yeah. And, so you, you know, we've had some clients that have very large custodial accounts for their for their kids, and it's theirs at twenty one. Yep, and they can spend it any way they want. Right. And the other thing is, is when you do pull it out, if you're ever audited, you you kind of have to show, hey, I use this you know, right. for the kids' benefit. For their benefit. So, you know, probably not a very high likelihood of that being an issue, but um, yeah, it but is. it's it's for them. That's it's right. their money, and you're, as the title says, you're the custodian. That's right. You're caring for it. So, yeah. What are some other options? Yeah. So, yeah. A Roth IRA is is another one. Now, this is kind of puts it into the retirement bucket, but you know, if properly invested, kind of like the custodial, it can do its tax free growth magic. You know, mm -hmm. can you imagine putting in? Some money at eighteen, and and then forty years later, what that does is just yeah. it really it really is, is incredible. The numbers are very very large, and so and the day will come when your your child they'll they'll be grateful. Yeah, uh, at fifty eight, if you're still around at eighty eight or whatever the the yeah. age is, they'll be happy that you did that. And uh, the Roth IRA, 
you know, you can use the Roth IRA um, for some things like uh, for college and also some other uh, expenses um, and, and the first home. But we generally recommend when money goes in a Roth IRA, you leave it alone. Just leave it, yeah. We do have people that say, yeah, I'm saving for my child's education in a Roth IRA. It's like, no. That's not the right put, vehicle. Put yeah. it in the Roth and, and let it do its thing. And, and um, you know, if you do have to pull it out of a Roth IRA, you can always pull the contributions out uh, penalty-free and tax-free. So the contributions that go in, you can always pull that out. Um, but you, you know, you it's the issue becomes when you start pulling out earnings associated with it, and we'll we'll talk yeah. about that in in a second. Um, you know, so um, the amount that you can put into that is six thousand dollars, yeah, per year, uh, for for any age, and um, so someone else can can put that money in there for the child, um, but they have to have earned income, right? Um, that's that's the key. Yeah, if the child is is legally or legally a minor, which means you know most states under eighteen, they will need to open what's called a custodial Roth IRA, where the child is the account owner with the adult, similar to the custodian account, except this is obviously a Roth. Um, and the custodian is usually a parent <clears throat> who serves as, as the custodian. And then contributions are reported to the IRS under the minor Social Security. So that's why the earned income is important. Um, but the custodian is the individual authorized to to act on the account. Yeah. Um, and so I think... Uh, like you're saying, it's just a, a great way to really set up their future um, with this retirement vehicle. So yeah, I've seen Roth IRAs for kids as young as like three or four. Yeah, that's um, right. Because they did some advertising, they were in a commercial yeah. and yeah. They earned some money for it. Technically, so, yeah, they earned it. Yeah, you put a uh, some money in a Roth at four years old. Three or four, yeah, goodness gracious! <laughs> Can you imagine that. So <laughs> yeah, so it's a great vehicle. Uh, it's a great way. Um, you know, even if you put in five hundred or a thousand bucks, right. Farm, um, you know, if they're 17 and working, um, then you can put you know up to six thousand dollars. So mm-hmm. uh, the disadvantages, again, um, you know, once it goes in there, I, I kind of plan on leaving it in there. Um, if you if you're planning on using it, put it in a custodial account. But you know, yeah, the, the growth right. is tax free. If if you do pull out any of the growth before 59 and a half, then you'll be subject to taxes as well as a 10 percent penalty. Mm-hmm. So um, again, just uh, you know, the, the pitfall with that is is if you put it in there. And you pull it out, some of the growth could be taxed. Yeah, and, and I think something else to be aware of is really how to document the income if the miner is not employed with the company and is not issued a W-2. Um, for example, if they mow lawns or shovel snow or babysit, in this case, the custodian really should document that the child received earned income that was reasonable. For example, you know, a parent should, should not pay a child $1,000 for shoveling yeah. the sidewalk one time that's a, that's a good way to to get noticed but also a, tell you the yeah. irs expects you on that the lawn money to right. pay taxes on it yeah exactly so i mean yeah. if you're not paying social security and medicare taxes on that then it's technically not earned income so you got to yep. be careful with that we yep. normally recommend if someone has lawn money that they'd put it in a custodial yeah. account yep um, yep so and then you know market fluctuation people are like well you know is, there, is the account going to fluctuate well if it's in a mutual fund and invest in the stock market yes, it, yes will. it will yeah but if you put money in there periodically um you know over 10 15 20 years and particularly in a roth ira um, the stock market past performance doesn't guarantee future results sure but it has been a great way to build wealth, and it also you can use it for education and talking to your kids about it as well. So, custodial account, Roth IRA, you know, keep keep some money in a bank, but consider those. Yeah, they're really they are great vehicles um, for really saving for your kids' future. So, yep. And uh, we're going to close the show out here with the uh, prescription of the week. All right. So, speaking of Roth IRAs, the prescription of the week is about Roth IRAs, and really. Um, 
how we really encourage people to save in Roth IRAs if possible. Um, you know, every situation is different, but you're basically setting up um, with the IRS now. Sorry, you're settling, you're settling up yep. with the IRS now at today's rates, and you don't have to worry about taxes uh, in the future. And so it's a Roth IRA is great because you're saying, um, yeah, I'm paying taxes on the money, I'm putting it in, but then you never have to pay taxes on that money again. And historically, tax rates are low now, mm. especially yep. especially if you're in that 12% bracket. That's a, that's a no-brainer. So, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, we uh, talked to Matthew and I talked with um, uh, uh, some clients yesterday and they brought their young adult in 22 years old and has some money to invest. And, um, you know, just kind of explain the Roth. Uh, simply, if you can save over time and you have a million dollars in a Roth, mm-hmm. no tax liability on it, it's worth a million. Yeah. If you save it in, a, in an IRA or 401k and you get a million dollars, it's probably a 30% tax liability sure. in there. Yeah. So that right. million dollar IRA is only worth 700000 right. So yeah, we encourage Roth IRAs. Um, doesn't make sense in every situation, but certainly right. something. And there are limits too. There know. are. So you want so. to talk with your advisor or CPA, make sure that mm-hmm. you're eligible for it. There are some, some rules and so forth that you want to follow. But we like Roth IRAs. We like settling up with the government on some of the money, and so yeah. you don't have to worry about what that tax rate is going to be. Yeah, in the especially when you're when you're younger, because like you were saying earlier, the growth, um, yeah, the lower tax rate. It's really advantageous, um, especially when you're young. Yes, absolutely. Put it in there. So, well, very good. This has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week on MoneyMD.net to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, MoneyMD.net. Send us your questions or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at seven zero six. Seven three nine zero seven two five. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. Yeah, have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor.